0: Pay these guys straight cash <laughs> hello and welcome to another episode of the straight cash podcast a season ending bit of a more disappointing podcast as uh, i sit here with john krasinski high above the field at Levi stadium in santa Clara, california where the viking season came to a pretty brutal end they lost 27 to 10 to the 49ers in a game that they really were never all that close. And I guess at halftime, only down by four points, but uh, especially in the second half, things got out of hand. Just to start, John, what what is your sort of view from 30,000 feet of what happened today and and how the Viking season unraveled?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, I think, pretty disappointing when you look at it. I, I know the 49ers are good. Uh, certainly, they are balanced on offense and defense and have a lot of talent, especially defensively, that can make – life difficult for teams, but I do think that everyone expected the Vikings to be more competitive than this. And the real big issue I think that I take from this game is that Mike Zimmer wants to run the football and Mm -hmm. wants to have an offense built around that, that then generates opportunities through the air from off of play action passes. Well, um, it's too easily neutralized. Uh, and that is for many reasons. Number one, you don't have an offensive line that can kind of impose its will, but you just don't, it doesn't feel like they, that they have the ingredients with this offensive approach to be successful against really good defenses, which is what you face in the playoffs. And so, um, I I don't know, I I think they're going to have to take a long look at that in the offseason and see about maybe making some tweaks to this because there is a ceiling that is on this Offense the way that they run it as is, and we saw it today.
0: And John wrote about that in The Athletic today. You can subscribe uh, either by clicking through his story and getting a free trial, or for 40% off, you can subscribe at slash straight cash. Uh, a, a subscription will also get you bonus episodes of podcasts. You can listen to Russo on the wild or, or John occasionally uh, on the Wolves podcast. So, plenty for, you know, fans beyond just the Vikings as we now approach the offseason, but... Sticking with that theme of of the offense, I think we saw that a couple of times, a few times even this season. We saw it at Chicago where the Bears took things away and, and the offense fizzled out. We saw it a few weeks ago in that huge game when the Packers came to Minneapolis and the Vikings stood no chance in a game a lot of people expected them to win. And then, of course, that problem surfaced again in the 27-10 loss to the 49ers. I don't know exactly... Where you go from here, though, which I think is part of the hard part, because you're going to have Kirk Cousins back. We'll see what happens with the wide receivers, but at least you've got two good wide receivers under contract. You're probably going to re-sign Dalvin Cook for a big money deal, which I suppose is a conversation for another time, but presuming Dalvin Cook is back. I just don't know what you do when you've built this scheme this certain way, and you are either going to Return Kevin Stefanski if he doesn't get the Cleveland Browns job, probably. Or if he does get the job, I would imagine you turn to somebody like Quint Kubiak, who is the son of Gary Kubiak, who taught this whole system to Kevin Stefanski. So I don't know. Does it feel to you at all like they're pigeonholed into this? I I mean, I think they, they are
1: pigeonholed in ideology right now, just with the way that this coaching staff is set up, I think. Now, would Stefanski... It, let's say that Stefanski gets the Browns job. If he goes there, is he running a completely different offense? One that isn't basically based on what the head coach wants? Maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe philosophically he he really does like this approach, and, and this is the way that he would do it in Cleveland with Nick Chubb and and kind of going that way and Kareem Hunt and making that happen. But, I, I mean, I think that from just a, a pure ingredients standpoint, you have the ability to be flexible offensively in, in, in how you want to do it because, you know, you have Cousins who ha, you know has his, his pluses and minuses, but Thielen and Diggs are two of the elite receivers in the NFL. You have good tight ends in Rudolph and Irv Smith. You have Dalvin Cook. It, you have this ability to be dynamic if you want. I think you have those weapons. So... Um, I I think there are some tweaks that can be made. It doesn't have to be a complete overhaul of your system or your philosophy, but I do think that when you have invested so much money, especially in the receiver core, I mean, Thielen and Diggs have $73 million guaranteed between them. And yet it seems like they are sort of the afterthoughts almost. Mm -hmm. Far too often. They are a secondary option in this offense, and so it just doesn't seem to me a good allocation of resources. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be the run-heavy team, like what we saw from the Niners today, if you want to say we're going to run it down your throats no matter what, you have to make such a massive upgrade to your offensive line to do that, and I, they don't have the financial wherewithal to do that either.
0: So um, yeah, it, it is strange. Just in that it's sort of built. It seems for one style of play, yeah. But run with. A different style, which, you know, obviously has presented problems. Looking specifically at this game, the Vikings go get the ball, go three and out, 49ers get the ball, go on a long drive score, and I think right as people started to think, oh boy, this could be a long day, Vikings get the ball back, and on third and two, Kirk Cousins hit Stefan Diggs down the left <laughs> sideline, 41-yard touchdown, boom, 7-7 game, and then even by halftime, 14-10 Niners, everybody knew that San Francisco was playing better than the Vikings were, but I think similar to New Orleans, you probably felt, hey, we're not playing our best and we're in this. Yeah. Imagine once, once we actually get rolling. And so I think that was that was my thought anyway, mm-hmm. coming into the second half for what the Vikings could do. And then the second half just started atrociously. You wrote a little bit of that, looked into some of the numbers and, and whatnot. What can you share with just how bad that second half started? Yeah, I mean, they, they, so they had seven total yards
1: in the third quarter. Seven. <laughs> um they're so going in through essentially through the third quarter. The first three quarters, I believe they had twelve opportunities for first and ten. No, eleven. It was eleven opportunities before the fourth quarter. First and ten, they gained fifteen yards on first down. So you're you're talking about being behind the sticks every single drive, and it was three and outs on six of those eleven oh, man. possessions. Like. How is that possible? So here again is – and they they only ran the ball 10 times, but it was so ineffective Mm -hmm. that it just kind of threw a wet blanket over the entire operation. And so here's the other um, negative when you have this run-first approach and the run doesn't work. Now your defense is tired. Right. And they kept going out there after three and out, after three and out, after three and out, and all of a sudden the Niners – just start overwhelming them physically. And there was a point in the third into the fourth quarter where they ran the ball 12 straight times (laughs) uh, from one possession to the next and just took their life away. And the Vikings just, I don't think are capable of doing that. Even if they wanted to, they could not run cook Madison 12 straight times against a very good defense and, and have a chance to, to be successful. It just would not work. And so Um, So not only is the run game not working, but then Cousins is under siege. He's getting sacked. He's checking down, checking down, throwing screens that are going nowhere. And it was just an anemic, awful, awful offensive performance.
0: And one of the other things that stands out to me is that the 49ers in so many ways are built, at least roster-wise, like the Vikings are. They have a quarterback who is drafted and developed elsewhere that they paid good money to bring in. They like to run the ball. And and these are the two teams who run the ball more than anybody else in the NFL. Uh, When they're not running the ball, they like to bootleg their quarterback out of the pocket, get them on, you know, work play action, put the quarterback under center. And then on defense, they both have very good defensive ends who can rush the passer. Uh, Good linebackers and, you know, the Vikings anyway used to have an elite cornerback like the 49ers do. But in so many ways, these are similar teams similar schemes, at least, you know, Kubiak was taught by Shanahan. This is Kyle Shanahan, son of Mike Shanahan. So a lot of similarities. And yet, I think this game showed just how far the Vikings are from a Super Bowl, where a week ago, I think you could have, you know, looked at the way that they played in New Orleans, knocking off the Saints at the Superdome and thought, all right, maybe this team, you know, they didn't put it all together. They weren't consistent enough in the regular season. That's why they won 10 games and not 12 or 13. But when they put it together, this is a team that can maybe make a Super Bowl run. And yeah, I think what this game showed is that they, they still are quite a ways away from getting to that level.
1: They are quite a ways away. Um, the But the one thing that we have to kind of, I think bring into the conversation here in the midst of all this doom and gloom, which is justifiable and deserved, is that in the NFL, things can change quickly. Um, the Niners.
0: The Niners are an are example, the, of that. example of that.
1: How do they get Nick Bosa, right? They were not very good. And, and they got the high draft pick and they got him. And then, you know, Garoppolo comes into his own and they get this, the offensive line built up, and and they're rolling. Their defense is stacked. All of a sudden, everything is good. So I think the um, I think the Vikings can do it. I mean, they've won enough, and they've shown enough of an acumen for drafting and developing players that that it, it's not like they're completely lost at this moment. But they do have a long way to go. And how do they get there given their contract situations right now that would seem to, you know, indicate that there's not going to be a sea change here. You're probably going to be able to change a couple of guys here and there, but Cousins is going to be back. You know, all these, a, a lot of your principals are going to be back. And so that's going to be their challenges, getting creative, probably hitting in the draft a little bit better uh, a little bit more, and um, and going that way, it's going to be tough for them.
0: Another notable part of this game, I think, is that this felt like a loss that was on all three phases. This was not the offense stunk and everybody right. else was right. great, or the defense stunk and everything else was great. The offense, you know, probably was culprit number one. They were just dreadful. The three outs that John mentioned are, are astounding. Uh, their first four drives of the second half, twelve plays minus two yards and an interception. It's just astounding to even think about how that's possible in a playoff game to be that bad. So yes, the offense was very much to blame. The defense, and I think this is where it gets a little more interesting, if you would have come into this game and said that Jimmy Garoppolo completed 11 passes, 11 for 19, 131 yards, had a touchdown, also an interception, you held George Kittle in check, three catches, 16 yards. If you said that before the game, I think Zimmer's signing up for that, no questions asked. Uh, Of course, the flip side of that is that Shanahan at one point said, all right, well, forget this. The passing game's not great. We'll just run it down their throats. 49ers players mentioned that Vikings players were frustrated in the middle of the game, trying to figure out how in the heck they were going to stop this running game. The 12 straight rushes you mentioned—it was just a clinic there. And then on special teams, Marcus Sherrill's you know—usually sure-handed—muffed mm-hmm. two punts. One got away, and the Niners recovered. And, and I think that—you know—when you look back at Mike Hughes's injury, that was a significant part of that, where then they had to—you know—go bring in Sherrill's. So. Injuries perhaps played a little bit of a factor in some roles, but this was a loss uh, on all three phases. And that run defense, I think, you know, was really troublesome, especially when the 49ers said, we're going to drown all of this clock and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, and that's that's
1: just it. That's The 49ers could do what the Vikings could not, and that is, hey— a really good defense knows we want to run the ball you still you, and we're still going to run the ball and you can't stop it now the, the the 49ers knew the vikings wanted to run the ball so they tried to run the ball and they couldn't get anything going that that front just manhandled the vikings offensive line and it's it was the same way on the other side too i think maybe as the game went on that the the vikings defensive front got worn down and 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 the, the offensive line just just totally controlled the game for them and so you know you you look at that and uh I think that that has got to be the 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 clear thing here is the, the your your point about it being kind of blame being spread around is right anytime you lose this decisively there's plenty of blame to be spread around even to Adam Thielen, who Mm -hmm. um, broke off his route, stopped running on a route, and that's the reason that Cousins got picked off by Richard Sherman. It wasn't because Cousins made a mistake; there
0: was Thielen that made the mistake, and such a rare mistake for him. Like that's he's you know the guy that's always been the hardworking, grinding on every play kind of guy, and just a really uncharacteristic mistake that was so so costly.
1: Yeah, and so then in the in the locker room afterward, he was I saw him he was talking to Cousins and was really apologetic about it and. You know, in some ways, the season comes full circle. We had the Kirk Cousins apology to Thielen right, early in the season. Right. And now we have the, Kirk, the the Thielen apology to Cousins on the back end. But I
0: didn't think of that. I may be using that in a lead to come at the
1: Athletic. <laughs> there you go. And and so, um, yeah, It you know, look, it just, uh, it, it was a complete and total defeat, like in, in, in every way, shape and form. Um, you know, yeah, the defense did not play well enough, but I think the offense was more to blame, but. Anytime you get your asses kicked like this, I mean, everyone has a hand in it.
0: Yeah. Before we continue, the Straight Cash Podcast is presented by DraftKings. (coughs) Can you believe it's conference championship week? Time may be up for the Vikings, but you still have time to feed your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game, quite like having a free shot at over $750,000 with your first deposit. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. All you have to do is download the DraftKings app and use code RUN, R U N. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. New users, be sure to enter code RUN during sign up and you'll also get a free shot at over $750,000 with your first deposit. That's code RUN and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So now the Vikings have to examine how they go forward, which I think, as you mentioned, with just the way that the roster is built, is going to be an interesting thing. Because yes, you can make some moves. You can move Riley Reef inside or cut him all together, though You know, for all of his struggles, it's worth at least noting you're going to have to replace him, Mm -hmm. and you don't have much salary cap space. So, do you automatically just peg your first round pick as a left tackle and hope that that works out? Because we've seen that that is not always the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Xavier Rhodes and, and really the entire cornerback situation is is something that you'll have to you know spend a lot of time on, and then. This is the offseason that Dalvin Cook is going to want to get paid, and he's coming off of a monster season, even if it didn't show on this day. Um, So as we go forward, is there anything that you're especially going to keep your eye on? Well, yeah. I mean, I I think that the Cook um, decision is
1: going to be interesting because he obviously deserves big money. He is central to this offense and what they're built around. If they are going to continue with this philosophy of run the ball, you know, play defense and do it that way, which I don't expect them to change. Right? Um, if they're gonna, you need a guy like Cook to be your 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 main guy and to be your dynamic kind of home run hitter that can that can do so many things. And so you pay him a lot of money because he deserves it, and then that prevents you from addressing other issues that you have. Or do you let him go? somewhere and and kind of retool? I mean, I don't know that Madison is ready for mm-hmm. a featured role like that or and, and anywhere close to what Dalvin is able to do, but he had some good moments. And then do you kind of build it a little bit differently? Because, like, the Niners have had all the success with Tevin Coleman and, Mo- and Raheem Mostert. Like, not exactly right. household names. Not Ezekiel Elliott, not Dalvin Cook. And you've seen a lot of teams – that are using sort of the running back by committee approach um, and, 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 and using and, and delegating their finances elsewhere to address mostly offensive line, I think. Um, now, you know, I think Dalvin is worth the money. I think he's an incredible player. And so, but you can only pay so many people. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 it will be fascinating to me how they go about that decision-making process And what Dalvin's number eventually ends up at.
0: Right. And it it depending on how many years they go, I mean, this this could be a very massive number just for fans to start preparing for. John, I want to ask you who what area perhaps you blame the most for the offensive struggles? And I'll preface that by saying there are a lot of candidates for a lot of reasons, in part because I think this has been an offense all season that really sort of balances each other or works off of each other. Kirk Cousins is able to do a lot of the things he does because the running game is working. The running game is working because the offensive line for much of the season was improved. And so it was sort of a circle. The offensive line was probably improved because of what Kevin Stefanski was bringing to you know roll out Kirk Cousins and to give him time. So there were a number of reasons why the offense worked, but I think one of the problems with it As you mentioned before, is that sort of when one link breaks in that chain, the whole offense kind of goes to crap. So today, do you look at the running game as a culprit? Do you look at um, perhaps the biggest reason for the lack of success was that Kevin Stefanski, you know, is spending part of his time preparing for the biggest interview of his life, trying to get the head job that he's always wanted? Is it? Kirk Cousins because you know even though the offensive line was not very good at all he still had receivers open and you know at some point you got to make a play like Russell Wilson plays behind a terrible offensive line there are a lot of quarterbacks who have played behind bad offensive lines and succeeded so i i just don't know where to look first when assessing the struggles of the offense?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, you know, the blame can be spread around. I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in Stefanski being distracted or anything. Um, number one, he has done this interview process before, he's done it with that team before. Right, right. So, um, I, I think that there's a lot of familiarity there. Plus, he has Gary Kubiak, who has, he has leaned on a lot as well. And so there's, I, I, I just don't see that as a big deal, even though I do think there should be some sort of rule that either a team should be on the bye or done with the season before you can talk to them.
0: Yep. It, it is so strange is that so this dumb. is allowed. And
1: if you want to interview a, a coach that badly, you can wait two weeks right. for it. There's no reason that you have to do it right now. So I think that rule should be changed. But that said, I don't think that that was a big reason for their struggles. I just think it does go back to the offensive line, um, and you know if you are going to be a a run for like a, a team that really relies on the run, you need a big, strong, physical offensive line. If you're b going to have a quarterback like Cousins who is not Lamar Jackson and is not going to be running around and and extending plays and kind of making something out of nothing, a quarterback who needs a clean pocket to have success. Um, then you gotta have a better offensive line. And now that's not necessarily on the guys themselves, like Reef and Elfline and Klein and, and, and these and Bradbury and these guys. It's on Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer and the way that they've constructed the entire team and the way that they have delegated their funds. It just seems to me like everyone knows. One of the major keys to success in this NFL is a very good offensive line that keeps your quarterback clean and open hole hole, opens holes in the running game, and the Vikings just have not been able to assemble that. They've been able to have some smoke and mirrors. Right, they they can
0: piece it together. They're good enough. Yeah,
1: but when whenever this offensive line faces a really good front seven they get their asses kicked. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what happens day in and day out with these guys. And so I think it has to start there. And then probably goes to Cousins next as you need a guy who, when your team is undermanned or even maybe out-talented, he can make up the difference. And, and Kirk is not that guy. He's just he's a guy who can make some plays, but he's just not a guy who's going to just put the team on his back and win you a lot of games.
0: Right. And so I I just don't know what you do if you're the Vikings, like because there's a big enough sample size with Kirk Cousins that you now know this is who he is. You can't he's in his 30s now. You can't pretend like, all right. Maybe he's suddenly going to be right. the guy who leads all these fourth quarter drives, or when the rest of the offense isn't working, he steps up and, and he's the guy who makes it work. He's just not that guy. When everything around him is going well, he will play a lights out. His October, mm-hmm. the way that he played against Denver, the way that he played in Detroit, he can have some moments where, especially he'll make some passes that make you think, God, there are five quarterbacks in this week who can make that throw, and he New just Orleans he was great, it. and New Orleans he he did it in a big moment. But uh, I, you know, I think that they probably will extend him. But if you're the Vikings, I really think that you have to think long and hard about drafting a quarterback in the first three rounds, and that's hard because on the one hand, those are such valuable assets that you want to improve your offensive line that you want to uh, draft a cornerback because you're probably going to lose Trey Wayne. You might lose Mackenzie Alexander. You might lose Xavier Rhodes. Like you need those picks to help a team that won a playoff game. And yet, on the other hand, you got to be thinking for the future a little bit and wondering, like, if this is Cousins' prime and he's not lifting us when the rest of the offense isn't clicking, are we going to give him a Two-year extension, three-year extension—that's that's a tough question for the Vikings. It's very
1: tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I I know that they're, uh, and I I like Kirk. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, but is he is he the one who's can can you feel confident after these two years that you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins? And to me. That's the question that you have to answer that every quarterback has to answer. Every franchise has to answer about its quarterback. Can we see a scenario where we win a Super Bowl with this quarterback?
0: And they're probably in the tough spot where the safe answer is probably not, but we can get to the playoffs. We can add some revenue there. We can be a good team with Kirk Cousins. And I think a lot of teams are afraid to say – Hey, we're going to go for great, even if it means we have some bad stretches, in part because that costs people their jobs. And so, you know, that's part of why you don't see it too often. Um, But, man, that's just one of many hard questions that the Vikings are going to have to grapple with after all of this. Yeah, and
1: and I could could see some sort of a short-term extension for Cousins making sense because, um, let's face it, the defense is getting older. Like, I mean, yeah, Kendricks is in his prime, Hunter's in his prime, like Griffin's on the downside of mm-hmm. his prime, Linval, Linval Joseph,
0: Harrison, Harrison Smith,
1: whatever, the defensive backfield that you have. Right. I mean, Mike
0: Hughes and whoever you draft.
1: Yes, all of those guys are, are going down. And so if you think you have a couple of years left to maximize those those guys, then yeah, like that makes sense. And then, yeah, maybe you draft and develop a quarterback, try to do it that way. Um, But at, you know, anything beyond, you know, three years or Mm -hmm. something like that. I don't know, man. I just, I just, I I just don't know if that's, if that's a prudent, you know, use of your funds. I assume you would get some sort of um, discount from what he's making now. Uh, But Yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough decision.
0: Just such a deflating day for the Vikings, especially because, you know, they entered this game with the thoughts that maybe this is the team that makes a run. Maybe it's like the team of 21 years ago or 22 years ago. Maybe this is, you know, they they put it all together against New Orleans and now they're going to do it against San Francisco and then they're going to be one win away from the Super Bowl. Uh, And then the 49ers made clear that that was not the case. So uh, I guess we'll wrap up, perhaps trying to find uh, some sense of optimism as as the Vikings enter um, this, what I imagine will be a, a long off season. And uh, you know, I guess I'll start with if you're trying to find some positivity on this uh, day after the Viking season ended. Mike Zimmer is is still a, a heck of a defensive coach. the The offense was the strength of this team for the first half of the season, and you know I, I don't know if it happened as quickly as he would have liked. But by the end of the season, the the defense was back to being the strong focal point of of this team. Uh, you know I I don't think he's thrilled with the way things went against the Forty Nine ers, uh, especially in run defense, but they showed that they could slow down a tight end that nobody else in the league could slow down. They, you know, the numbers at the end of the game were not terrible on defense and, and they're basically terrible everywhere else. So not a great day, I guess, for finding optimism, but uh, is there anything that you can try to lift the spirits of, of Vikings fans yeah, today? Yeah. Look, I, w- I will say this, um, you know, a lot of times,
1: you know, in tough losses, uh, everyone wants everyone fired. And I've, Am of the belief that the Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman pairing is a good one. They have been successful. Like as Zimmer is right in like sixty percent of his games, he's won. That's that's good. This is a group and a coaching staff that has developed talent. It's a front office with Zimmer or with Spielman and um, George Payton and and all of their scouts and staff that have found good players in the draft and helped them turn them into very good players. And so, I mean, I think like the infrastructure is here that there are smart football minds um, that have a history and a track record of identifying talent and helping that talent become better than what it was when it walked through the door. So, I, I, I just I'm not in I'm not in that group that says blow this thing up and go looking for some you know some something else the next you know boy wonder. Uh, head coach, or the, the next, next Kyle uh, Shanahan, yeah, or the next analytic genius uh, GM, or whoever it is to to do it. I think that it's a group that has proven more than capable of assembling a team that is competitive year in and year out. They have to get better. There's no doubt about it. But I, I just I, I think that there is a a sound structure in place uh, that can give people the Hope that they will continue to find players in the draft, continue to develop players like Thielen and Anthony Harris and some of the others, and that you
0: know better days could lie ahead that way. That's John Krasinski. He is now headed uh, full time again back to the Timberwolves. So make sure to read his work on that. Arif Hassan and I will have plenty more to come this week and, and the rest of the offseason on the Vikings, you know, recapping everything that happened this season, looking ahead after that. Uh, and then before you know it, it's, it's the scouting combine and, and we're back in the draft prep again. So uh, stay tuned to The Athletic for all of that. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Straight Cash Podcast.